Hi, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the MA Mastermind Podcast, your go to resource for all the latest in industry trends in the lower middle market MA space. I am your host, Nick Olson, Managing Director of Cornerstone International Alliance. This show, we bring in a mastermind and we talk about a topic and we all learn from their experience and how they've handled certain situations or their expertise diving into a topic that'll help us level up our MA practice. Today's, today's guest, excuse me, I'm super excited about, and we have a lot to talk about as we end the uh, 2023 year, and it's a crazy busy time. Um, we're all seeing a lot of different things out there, and I think, you know, the way the end of the year is going, um, hopefully that, that bodes well for a great 2024. Um, she is a partner at Touchstone Advisors in the northeastern part of the country. Deborah Agrafojo is our guest today. Deborah, welcome to the MA Mastermind Podcast. Glad to be here, Nick. Awesome. Well, I appreciate your time. And so today, you know, I, you should feel very privileged and lucky to be my last guest in the inaugural year of the MA Mastermind Podcast for 2023. And what better way than to talk about how this crazy year is ending? Um, a lot of ups and downs. Um, I think. Uh, from what I'm hearing from a lot of people in our group and externally, um, this is a crazy busy time. And I think uh, you would you would echo those sentiments based on our uh, conversations recently. Yeah, we, um, we're very, very busy. Um, so yes, definitely. Um, so busy at work, um, it's the holidays. So that means busy at home. I know you have young kids who are in, you know, uh, in activities. So managing your, your family life as well. Like that's a lot to deal with, especially at a very important time of the year when we're trying to, you know, get deals across the finish line and close out a, the year strong and set up ourselves for a great 2024. And so I want to dive into, you know, first the business side of things. Um, so if you could, you know, actually first, let's take a step back. Um, tell us a little bit about yourself, um, kind of your background and how you got into M&A. So I didn't come directly into M&A because nobody told me it was a thing when I was in school. <laughs> that would have been helpful if I'd known that. Um, but so I kind of took an indirect route. I, I taught middle school for 10 years and then um, I had my kids and I don't sit still well. Um, I'll try not to twitch here, but it doesn't work well. I, I, I don't sit still. So um, uh, when I had my kids, I opened up my own gluten-free vegan bakery. Um, and then made a foray into the, the retail space and went for an expansion and did a friends and family capital raise. And um, in the process, met the founder of Touchstone, who um, worked with me to talk through some negotiations and then said, hey, are you actually sure you want to be at the facility at four in the morning when your manager doesn't show up to start the line of cupcakes? And I, <laughs> uh, no. <laughs> I actually don't want to do that. Um, and he said, you know, you did this all yourself. You could do what I do. Um, and so I, I, you know, thought long and hard and made the jump. And it's been seven and a half years and I haven't looked back. Um, I love the pace of it, right? Like the pace of it and the shift between dealing with the different companies and the different industries is, is kind of the whole reason I stay with it. So you mentioned different dif different uh, deals in different spots. It sounds like you have a you know a couple of deals, a handful of deals in all different you know um, ends of the spectrum as far as the deal process goes. And so, 
why don't you kind of lay out for our listeners, you know, just kind of what you're dealing with right now from a deal perspective, you personally. Well, so that's kind of how I prefer to structure it regardless. Um, okay. Of, like I always try to have a pipeline, intakes, marketing, due diligence, and closing. Like those are, I want deals at every stage. Um, the, and I hate it when something slows up and they overlap, having two deals in the same spot. Um, I find it more difficult. I don't like to go to back to back attorney meetings, you know, reviewing contracts for days on end is not, I, not my preference. So I want to do something different. So I kind of try to structure mine specifically that way. Um, it helps move the deal along, I think, to try to, you know, pace it with everybody else's. Um, so that's, that's where I am right now. I have a, a healthy pipeline. I've got a couple of engagements out for signature. I've got a couple in intake. I've got one, um, two at marketing, one in uh, due diligence, almost closing. Um, so that's, that's kind of the space, the cadence. Mm-hmm. And you are one of three principals and another 20 advisors within your firm. So even as a firm, you have a lot of things going on, a lot of deals happening in different stages. Um, what role, so let's take, let's set aside your deals that you're working on because, you know, not only are you a principal of the firm, but you're also doing a heavy, heavy deal load as well. But what are you doing currently to help support the rest of the team and all the deals that they're kind of, that they're currently working on? To help them out and be there for them as well right so i do a lot of the uh the training and the the kind of right the integration right now we just closed our own merger um so getting the getting the uh, advisors shifted over to a touchstone process um, that kind of falls on what i cover um, so i'm doing a lot of meetings with with different advisors uh, we attend uh, pitch meetings with each one of our separate advisors. There's always a partner with them. Um, you know, it makes helps the client feel supported. Um, we operate under a team approach, so um, you know it's important we put our put our feet where our mouth is. And, uh, <laughs> so, what does that team approach look like? Um, is it you know the advisor? you know, an analyst, um, you know, I guess, what does that look like? How do you, how do you set that up? So it depends on the size of the deal, right? Because certain, certain deal size supports a certain amount of people. Um, you don't want anybody finishing a deal and still not being able to, to feel like they got value out of it um, on a commission standpoint. So we have um, typically two advisors, a due diligence coordinator who is an employee, um, and on our larger deals, we have a financial advisor that specializes in working through the financial and supporting quality of earnings. Um, and uh, so, you know, a deal team could be three advisors, a due diligence coordinator. Um, we also have back office support that handle, you know, invoicing and redacting and kind of the, the paper shuffle piece mm-hmm. of it. Um, so that because we feel like our advisors um, are the experts in working a transaction, structuring a deal, finding the debt. They don't necessarily need to handle every piece of paper that goes to the other side. Yeah. 
You know, and, and you were a part of Cornerstone um, back when we did this, it's got to be three, you know, a couple of years ago where we did a job benchmark of the M&A advisor and what they should, you know, be working on. And, you know, you, you kind of hit the nail on the head right there where an advisor is really the, the client facing portion of the deal. And that's where they should spend their time, not necessarily, like I said, shuffling the paper, creating a SIM, making the buyers look like all that stuff. They should be the ones that are, you know, working with and for the client, you know, first and foremost. And I think we've done a good job, you know, as a group to identify that not every, you know, firm can handle or has people to do that work for the advisor, but a lot do. And if you can, you know, we recommend that the advisor play a role, you know, like that and, and not, you know, really working on the kind of the behind the scenes type of stuff because they're that forward facing person. Um, right. So that was, uh, I thought, very helpful that uh, an exercise that we did, you know, a couple of years ago. Um, and so it's really impactful for us, Nick, like yeah. we really kind of took a, took a step back and thought about, you know, what's more important, the advisor's time with the client or entering the transaction details into process mm -hmm. because it's not the later. Right, right. And you know what, we got a lot of great input from a lot of our, our group. And, you know, one of the things I think the one if I can remember off the top of my head correctly, um, is, you know, building that trust with the with with the client. And that takes a lot of time that takes a lot of, you know, FaceTime, and a lot of, you know, relationship building. And if our advisors are working on, you know, creating a sim or, you know, focusing on, you know, all the paperwork, then yeah, that's probably not going to be as effective. Right. To build that rapport with the client. So another big reason that uh, we wanted to identify that. And because, you know, I've always said too, you know, I came into this, this, this industry, of, you know, just over you know, four years ago ish. And I, I found, I found it interesting that just the way firms are structured are very different from, you know, firm A to B to C to D, but it's all very effective. And so, um, you know, it's, it's very interesting to me that we can, you know, be successful and structure it differently, but if we can learn from other people who do it, you know, are successful at it, then why not adopt that stuff as well? And I think that's what our group is really good about is sharing that information and taking bits and pieces of it and implementing it into your own practice, um, is, is, is the idea behind it. Not as easy. Um, we're noticing that, uh, and I enjoy having control over things. Um, it's what <laughs> makes me confident that it's going to happen correctly. Yeah. Um, and finding the right people to be the support can be can be time consuming, right? So, so it right. feels like, oh, get the person, get somebody in there to help you. That sounds like an easy statement, but it's it's not always that easy. Cause you're spending time, you're spending money and energy finding that right person. And if you don't hit on that person the first time, then you're going to have to go through it all over again. And you're going to get frustrated and it's, you know, going to be a big time suck, uh, you know, taking you away from the deals that you want to close. And so I think and it's, yeah, because yeah, they're, training not, them. they're not going to know what you want unless you train them to do it the way you want them to. How long, I guess, from a high level, how long do you train your advisors? Is it like a kind of like a boot camp kind of setup, or is it like an extended period of time? Like, what does yeah. your training program look so our like? Training program is one that we developed fairly recently. We started it in June. Um, we brought everything internally. 
um, in June rather than trying to find courses for people. Mm-hmm. Um, and the people that we started training with in June are still training. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're finding that just like with anything else, if you hear it one time, even if you do it one time, the next time you pick up the deal, you may not remember exactly what the format is to find the list on Zoom Info. So mm-hmm. what we're actually finding is that our training needs to be in a cycle. So um, so we're kind of starting the process again. So instead of having you know a set time for our entry level people, we're having a training option that rotates a training every week. Mm-hmm. I mean, so if it's something that you know you you need right the second and you can't remember it, you pop on the training for that week. Mm-hmm. We're also recording all of our trainings and they're you know they're filed in in our on our OneDrive. Yeah, they can go back and look at the videos. I mean, quite honestly, we're never not learning and and growing and and this uh, this industry is ever evolving. So. I guess we're never not, you know, training, so to speak. But uh, it's just, it's just interesting that you know June to now is about what six, seven months from from then that yep. um, you're still working with. I mean, I think that, and you kind of hit on this too because you're putting time and money into training these individuals. Um, you know, to hit on it right the first time, like you said, is important, and you know, to invest in them by all this training and time that you're putting in them, you you obviously want them here for the long haul. Am I correct in saying that? Absolutely. Um, and we had, you know, we've, we've had very good success with our training, uh, but we have had one person that wasn't a good fit. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, good guy could absolutely do it. But like, this is not what I enjoy doing. Mm-hmm. But sometimes you don't know that until you give it a shot. Right. Absolutely. You know, unless you try it. That's what, that's what I tell my kids, you know, right. you don't know if you're going to like this food. If you don't, you know, what if you never try it, how are you going to know? <laughs> now eat your peas. <laughs> right. Now leave the tail. I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> so you have, what is it? Five or six deals active right now. And you got one that you're looking to, to sign, you know, soon. So that's seven deals. Like, how do you mentally like manage all this, all these deals in different stages? I know you said you enjoy it. You like it. You thrive off of that. But, you know, to someone listening here, that might seem pretty daunting and intimidating. Okay, the CRM that we use, um, and that's, that's part of it. So mm-hmm. we, we log in every stage of the deals, every, you know, every interaction. Um, I keep notebooks for each one of my deals. Mm-hmm. So they're just, I mean... There's notebooks. There's mm-hmm. So I'll have one for each deal and uh, I'll keep a set of notes on it. And it may not be what I take out in the meeting when I'm sitting with a client, unless we're going over documents or something where I want to, you know, make notes along. But at, even after starting with the prospect, I'll sit down after the meeting and I'll manually write it down. Mm-hmm. Um, I know that's old school. You know, I, I think some of my younger guys, to, uh, and gals use, uh, you know, an online, you know, Word doc situation where they're they're typing, which is fine. Um, for me, I, I remember it as soon as I write it on a piece of paper. Mm-hmm. So, um, and then, you know, the interesting thing is, I'm always thinking about it, right? So there's never, there's, 
I don't think there's ever a point that I completely shut down from thinking about a transaction. Mm -hmm. So when you're sitting in an ice rink, uh, you know, freezing and you're still thinking about deals. I am. Um, often <laughs> I have my laptop with me. <laughs> I, I actually be doing work during yeah. the hockey practice. Yeah. But, um, I do unplug for games. Okay. Okay. Um, you know, and I, I have gotten very good, um, throughout my life at, at kind of stopping and, and making sure that there's family time and, mm. and things like that. Not, yeah. Not and it doesn't mean that the back of my mind isn't worrying about, you know, <laughs> finishing something. But. Right, right. But so I guess what are some ways in which you, you make time for your family? Um, you know, just some maybe tips or tricks or ways that you go about that. So we um, we actually just made a shift. So I'm working on, um, you know, and being supported with our with our younger advisors. I am consulting on a couple of buy sides that are, are in progress. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, the, they're doing the scheduling and they're doing the interfacing, but I still need to be involved with the meetings. So we just kind of adjusted our calendars to change the visibility um, so that meetings aren't scheduled over each other. Mm -hmm. um, and in doing so, the odd thing that came about is I have to actually log my time. Like when it was just my calendar, it didn't really matter. I could remember when you know, an appointment was or when a school pickup was or, but mm. now if somebody else is looking at my calendar, I need to have all that in there. Mm -hmm. So it kind of gave me the, the time to think about it. So I try over the weekends to go in and block off anything that, you know, is important, um, that needs to be worked around. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that's good that you, you know, your team can see that. So they're not so you're not running into a, oh shoot, I should have blocked that time. Now I got a meeting and I got to go get my kid from school or practice. No, and I'm not <laughs> infallible. Um, <laughs> um, so, you know, definitely. And I do a lot on the fly, right? Like I, I don't think that there is harm in knowing which meetings have to happen when you're on a computer and right. which meetings you can call into. Yeah. Um, from like a car or something. Yeah. How, um, you know, I would imagine this is either a big time saver or maybe it's not a, depending on what your answer is. But, um, you know, I think COVID has taught us that we can be more digital and on the go. Um, are you guys still doing a lot of in-person meetings or are you kind of pre-COVID or are you kind of kind of more because I know you guys. Somewhere in between, right? Like yeah. Pre-COVID, everything was in person, right? We, we right. drove all over the place. Yeah. Um, post COVID, there were more zoom, we're seeing more people want to be face to face, mm -hmm. um, again. So, uh, and it depends, it's, it's rather regional. So we're also seeing the companies that we're working with in New Hampshire and Maine, they want to be in person. So mm -hmm. if, um, if I'm going up to schedule with one of our advisors up there, I need to get in my car and I need to drive up there because that's what's happening. That's where they want to mm -hmm. be. Um, so, you know, it, New York, not as much. Yeah, because they're probably. It was an interesting shift to see. Yeah. Well, and hopefully, you know, with us being able to use Zoom more, um, it can save us time that, you know, time and money because, you know, save on travel, but also be more efficient with our time. 
to, you know, not be gone for a full day in, in Maine and you can be at home and then you can, you know, go to your, your daughter's hockey game or whatever. Um, and so are you seeing, so, and, and you guys, interestingly enough, pre COVID were pretty much a virtual office anyway, right? We were virtual before it was cool. Um, trendsetter. Yeah. Well, I, I don't want to be the trendsetter for COVID, but um, <laughs> I'll start with that. Exactly. Yeah. Right. Right. But, um, yeah. So we we decided when we took over for Mike that um, the of the three of us that were partners, the only one that was close to the office was me, um, and it made no sense to pay for the office space. So. We kind of said, who are we here for? How does that work fiscally? Um, and it's really allowed us to expand geographically mm-hmm. uh, because it doesn't matter if we're in New Jersey, but mm-hmm. we can still go to New Jersey and service a client. I can still take a client on Long Island. Um, you know, it's, it's just not necessary that we're, that they come to us. We've actually started um, an office share uh, with Regis, um, which is international and has, you know, multiple locations. And that's been very helpful. Um, we were resistant to kind of spending a monthly commitment, but what we found is we actually use it more than we thought we would. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, there's, there's shared space, there's booking an office, there's booking a, a boardroom. Um, our clients don't always want uh, we had a, a in person. They wanted the the people to come in and do the tour and then leave. Like they didn't mm-hmm. want meetings taking place on site. Yeah. So you know they walk the tour as an insurance agent, and um, and then we schedule the conference room off site. And if we had one meeting location, everybody would have had to driven to that location. But we were able to fix the, the office closest to the building. Mm-hmm. So very convenient. Yeah, a lot of flexibility and options. That's awesome. Um, so what are you seeing in the market right now, as far as your deals, your deals, your firm's deals, um, you know, are things going smoothly? Are they happening as you planned, which probably never happens really? Um, or, you know, what are some things that you're seeing that might be affecting, you know, the progress of your deals? We're seeing an extended amount of due diligence. Okay. Um, and in, in certain states, like right now, Connecticut has having a change in their environmental laws. So that's extending due diligence. And, you know, the attorneys are still figuring them out because they are, I think they, they either go into effect in January or they just went into effect in December. I'm not, I don't remember exactly mm-hmm. where that, the timeline hit. Um, but that's proving interesting as environmental <laughs> laws normally do <laughs> yeah right um, so but it's it's pushing time because it um you know buyers know that banks know that everybody needs to get their head wrapped around what the risk change is mm-hmm. so we're seeing that extend things overall the private equity firms that we've worked with recently have employed additional um, due diligence than they would have directly post COVID. So they're spending more time on things. They're assessing, uh, long-term risk and the marketability of a, of a business. Um, they're hiring marketing firms to do analyses. 
we wouldn't have seen that in 2020, at the end of 2020 when everybody was hopping. And mm -hmm. I don't think we even would have seen it prior to that. Like it, mm -hmm. it's just gotten more extensive. Um, it would be nice if the interest rates continue not to be raised. It would be nice <laughs> if the market were to stay at the positive flux that it is currently. Um, I don't know that those two remain aligned, um, but uh, everybody seems to be breathing that perhaps we missed, you know, the economic collapse that they anticipated. So we are seeing a lot of people all of a sudden going, hey, can I sell now? Can I sell now? Can I sell now? Um, and that's positive. Um, yeah. So, that's what we're seeing for 2024 is a lot of interest and in, yeah. um, in going to market. So from within our group, I know everybody's really busy. Um, I know you can only speak to your own firm, but when I, when you say I'm really busy, you know, from a deal perspective, is it, is it because deals are closing now, you know, they're finally closing or is it more, you know, due diligence taking longer? We're trying to, you know, push deals along, but it might be taking a little bit more time and that's consuming more of my time or is it a mix of both or other factors? So we had some that delayed um, that we wrapped up, you know, mid-year that should have wrapped up Q1 um, because, you know, they got caught up in that whole interest hike after hike after hike. Mm -hmm. um, and then we have um, the end of the year rush right? Like there's a certain amount of deals where it impacts working capital, it impacts something where you really want it to close um, by the end of the year. So we have, we have that going on at the firm. Um, we had several deals that got broken during that interest rate. I don't even know what to call it, you know, <laughs> the interest rate series. Um, and uh, so uh, those deals, had to be remarketed and, and perhaps go back to a second buyer or be put back together with the same buyer, but a different bank. Um, and that delayed. So I feel like the end of our year, we have some, some faster pacing because of that. Um, but I think we are, we are seeing at least a lot more intake, a lot more initial meetings, a lot of pipeline building. A lot of interest of is this a good time? What happens, you know, to, to multiples? You know, people want to know those things. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. I mean, that 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 gotta give you some positivity going into next year, right? I am very positive about 2024. So if I were to say this time next year, um, you know, if I have you back on next year, do a version two of this <laughs> to see and compare. Um, you know, what would you, what are you, what are your thoughts right now as to, you know, realistically, you know, from here from now, what you'll say, how 2024 went for, for you and your firm and, you know, personally, and then just overall transactions happening. You know? I mean, I hope that we have successful exits for all the people we're meeting, we're meeting with right now, right? Mm -hmm. All within this year. Um, hopefully I'm done with all of those guys. Because <laughs> if not, then their deal took too long. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, but everything is dependent. Even, 
I, I just said this to a, a prospect this morning, actually. You know, this all sounds good. And can we do it in nine to 12 months? Probably. What does it depend on? A lot of macro things we have zero control over. But a mm. lot of micro things, like did my client just book a 16-day cruise? <laughs> <laughs> that, that'll have an impact. Right. So, so if I can't get information for 16 days, then it's going to impact your timing. Mm. Um, so, uh, you know, crystal ball. Yeah. Right. If we all, if we all had one. So are you, are you still, I guess, are you still telling clients right now that deals take nine to 12 months or is depends it, oh, is that, oh, is that caveat? It depends, right? Yeah, it depends. But that's pretty standard. Unless you're coming to me saying I've got three people interested and I want you to get us mm -hmm. ready to go to market, but these three people are more important. You know, like that. But the, the standard person that's just learning what they need to give us, yeah. So is that, I guess, a better way to ask that question would be, are the overall deal timeline taken about the same amount of time as the last year or two? Or is it a little longer? I, I think I, I think we're probably pushing that 12 months instead of the, the yeah. nine months. Okay. But I think it's still just about the same scope of time. Yeah. And like I said, there's a lot of macro things that we can't control, but what are, you know, what are some things that you top of mind, you know, come top of your mind um, with this question that you want to be cognizant of to make sure that you control that it aren't delaying, you know, the timeline of the deal. So that's part of why I space my deals out. Good point. Um, so that things get processed because we have the back office resources. Um, mm -hmm. I am very cognizant about making sure our researcher can be available when the list is ready. Mm -hmm. Our sim writer can be available when the data is collected. Our due diligence coordinators are not pulling their hair out like they may be currently um, because <laughs> we had a couple closings back to back. Um, you know, so that's and that's firm management too, right? So we're trying to get kind of a whole breadth of transactions timed so that they fit in the space that we can operate them. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, you know, from a firm level, there's a lot of moving parts that impact that. Um, and so set business aside, which is all, all time consuming as, 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 as you know, but, um, you know, we're coming up on the holidays, um, here and that's a week that a lot of stuff can get done or, you know, it can be very slow, um, depending, but, um, how are you planning to, you know, make time for family during the holidays and still, you know, keeping your pulse on all the stuff that you need to get done before the end of the year? That's a really good question. Um, there are, there are people coming to my house on Christmas Eve and Christmas day. Um, <laughs> and and you're hosting. Yeah, but there's a lot of things that are out there to, to help, right? Like I, I do a lot of online ordering. Um, mm. I'll pre-order groceries and just go pick them up. Mm. Um, you know, there are some corners that I can cut like that that mean I can be awake at one o'clock in the morning and ordering groceries. Um, <laughs> right. That's, that's when it fits my schedule. However, the grocery store does not want to be open then. <laughs> right, right. At least they'll get it ready for you right, right early in the morning. Exactly. Uh, um, how about how about kids' activities and things like that? Are they busy right now? 
Um, so uh, my youngest is at a day school um, instead of a public school, so she's already off. Um, oh, okay. So that's nice, except that that means she is trying to, you know, work her own job and needs rides there because she's not quite old enough to get there. And, mm. you know, playing on two hockey teams, so two sets of practices. And um, my oldest is back from college and she wants to, you know, cook and bake cookies and, and do all the fun Chris, Christmas stuff. All the fun Christmas stuff. So, yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, you just do it. You just put one yeah. foot in front of the other. Yeah, can't can't think about it too much. Can't worry about it. You know, just try yeah. to spend time with the family and try to get your work done. And you know, typically it works out, right? Pretty much, pretty much. Schedule it as much as you can. Yell at them when they do things like break their hockey stick that needs to be replaced immediately. Which um, we were just talking about is a, not a not a cheap uh, cheap. Uh, uh, something to break, right? No, 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 not, not fabulous, but yeah. um, kind of necessary. She can't go out without it. <laughs> right, right. Um, so last question I have for you, and then I um, um, want to wrap up here too, is, you know, you have a, a deal that's, you know, almost done with due diligence, looking to close, and that's going to transition into the first part of 2024. So anything that you're focused on doing just to make sure that that deal is set up for success to actually, you know, to, to, to close when, when it's, you know, you want it to close here in the first part of the, of the year. Yeah. I mean, it's actually been a fairly, that one's a fairly entertaining process. Um, it's a very, it's a smallish size deal, um, but it's a large PE firm making mm -hmm. the purchase. Mm -hmm. And apparently um, they have the same punch list regardless of the size okay. of the transaction. So they have 13 attorneys. They have, we just had an environmental call for a leased building um, with eight people reviewing it. <laughs> um, you know, so I do not want to pay their due diligence bill because that's going to be awful. Yeah. But it is theirs. So, and that's what they want. That's what they want to do. So it's really a matter of um, crossing all your I's and dotting all your T's. Uh, do that the other way and it works better. I like saying it that way too. <laughs> but um, yeah, so you just have to go through everything. You yeah. know, I was just scrubbing through our, our due diligence folders because they've had so many people asking for things. They're asking for the same stuff over and over again. And I'm like, I absolutely know I have seen that. I remember yeah. seeing it. Um, and our, our coordinator can't put her hands on it. So we're going to have to go back to the to the client, which I hate to do because I know mm -hmm. he knows he gave it to us. Yeah. Um, but that is what it is. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Deborah, thank you so much for your time today. It was awesome talking with you. I know you're super busy, as we just found out. Um, best of luck on on all the deals that you're looking to close this year and continuing to push through to next year. Um, hopefully you get to, to spend some time with the family and not uh, be ordering a lot too many groceries at one in the morning. Um, <laughs> and good luck on finding a, a reasonably priced uh, hockey stick. Right. <laughs> um, but thanks again, Deborah. where can, 
if someone wants to find our listeners want to find out more about you more about touchstone um, where can we send them to find out more information so our, our website is touchstoneadvisors.com um, that's that's a great that's the best place um, okay. I'm on LinkedIn okay uh, we're on LinkedIn um, and all of our all of our email and pertinent contact information are, are in both of those locations okay um, and I would like to say again, Deborah, thank you. Um, you can find this episode and all of our episodes at cornerstoneia.com slash podcast. Um, help Deborah and myself out by liking, commenting, sharing this episode. Pass it along to anybody who you think might benefit from our conversation here today. Um, and best of luck to everybody on closing out 2023. Um, and best of luck uh, to a great start of 2024. Until next time, guys, thanks.